Welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alvin, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Twin Tools will try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Just give us a call. It's 291-6901. And you use the area code here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. Sure wish you would. Appreciate hearing people all around town, all around country, wherever you may be. That's it. Even all around the world with there the right you, code. There you go. Get your perspective on whatever it is we're talking about. And you know, a lot of times folks will call in with a question that kind of bridges on into sure. something else. And it just, and that in turn, someone else will hear it and, and that'll spur a question from them. So it makes the show a lot more interesting when we get calls. It does. A little better than us babbling back and forth. <laughs> there you go. Of course, we'll do that, too. You know? yeah, we will. <laughs> oh, we talk a little bit today. Just started. I get a lot of calls still on oil changes and, uh-huh. and such as that. And there's just few things that a person can do to their own car any longer. I mean, sure. there, there are some things to try to, be it to save money or be it just to get a better job than you might get taken to a shop and one of those things i think is an oil change right you can change your own oil if you care to i mean some people just don't want to do that it's just a waste of their time and the people that want to do it need to be able to do it safely yeah safely and properly and there are some things that can be done better or worse and i thought we'd just talk a little bit i don't think we'll talk the whole show about that but i think there are a few things about that and certainly one of the first things when you get ready to change your oil is that you have to lift the car because you have to get under it exactly and that sounds pretty simple yeah but most cars are too low to the ground to, to even reach underneath much less try to crawl underneath to change oil right so there's several there's a couple ways that you can go about getting that car up high enough to do the oil change mm-hmm. yourself. First thing before we get to getting the car off the ground, let's make sure we have all our supplies first. Right. Because once you drain the oil out, you it, have to have the oil to put back well, in. Well, unless you got another car. Unless you got another car. <laughs> yeah, you're not going anywhere there. But to get the car up, the obvious thing is take a jack or something and start jacking up. And while that is effective, you got to be so careful with a lot of the modern cars. If you jack it up in the wrong spot, you can. Most cars have a certain spot that's designed to jack on, and everything else is too weak. You got a real, real heavy weight that you're lifting up, so it's easy to damage the car. And while the car is up, it has to be secured because if that car falls, it's coming all the way to the ground. Yeah, you very, very easily have a fatality there. So sure. it's not something you ever want to take a risk on, but. You get out the least read book in the world, which is probably the owner's manual, and it yep. will show you where you can safely jack lift a car. That, lift that vehicle from? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're going to have to have that. You're going to have to have a means of jacking it up. I mean, the jack that comes with the car will certainly do it, but that's a very, very slow means. It's generally yeah, designed to pick one wheel at a time up. Right. That's really all that jack is designed for because... It is basically to get you off the side of the road to change the flat tire. Right. It's not really designed to lift the entire vehicle off the ground to secure it to get underneath it. Now, a perhaps safer way is to get a set of these ramps. Uh-huh. And the biggest danger there is you have to watch. You're accelerating to try to get up the ramp. When you get to the end of the ramp, you have to stop. Correct. <laughs> because if you go all the way over, yeah, and that's pretty easy to do. But as long as you are careful and use them judiciously, that is probably one of the safer ways to raise the car in that it's going to support the car from the tire, which is where it's designed to be supported from. So you're not going to damage it with a jack stand by putting the jack stand in the in wrong, wrong place. place or not getting it secure enough. If you put the jack stand under one of the floor stiff, not only may it bend the floor up and do a tremendous amount of damage to the car, but it may punch a hole right through that floor and pop the car right 
on you. So my personal favorite would be a, a set of ramps of some sort. Just have to know that you got to be careful driving up, and this is slick metal surface, and you can slip off of them and those things. So that notwithstanding, that's right. probably the best way to do it. What's, now, when you go to lift a car, do you want to lift the front of the car or the back of the car? Okay. And most people would obviously say, well, I want to lift the front of the car because that's where the engine is. But some cars, the drain plug may be in the front of the oil pan. Some is in the back of the oil pan. Or on the side. Or on the side. You want to lift it in the area that puts the drain plug pointing down. Correct. So that all the heavy sludge and stuff will run out. You're not going to get 100% of the oil out, but you're going to get probably 90% of it out. Mm-hmm. As long as you have it jacked up where, like you said, the drain plug, the drain is, the plug is lowest point. Now... Obviously, you take the drain plug out, put a bucket of some sort under there to catch the old waste all, because you can't just let that run down the driveway or whatever. Not only is it going to make a huge mess, it's illegal in most areas. That's considered all areas, I do believe. Yeah, in the United States, for sure. That's considered a hazardous material, and it has to be recycled. So you want to have a way of catching the oil when it comes out. But the best thing to do is, even though it is perhaps more inconvenient to drive the car and let it get to operate in temperature because now everything's hot but it does a much better job of draining when that oil is hot right it all once it gets hot it gets thinner it gets thinner it stirs it everything faster. up so that the sludge and stuff that might be settled in the bottom of the pan and not moving is now kind of mixed up with the oil so it tends to come out with the oil so you do want to get the car to operate in temperature even though it's more inconvenient to work on a hot car mm-hmm. it's just you're going to get a whole lot better job now once you remove that drain plug and have the pan under the car the key is you want to let that drip as long as possible. Sure. I mean, even up to the point of taking it out, maybe go inside, have lunch, come back out maybe an hour or so later. Because if you pull a plug, let the oil run out, put the plug back in, you're going to get the majority of the liquid out. But there's a lot of real heavy stuff in the bottom of that pan that will continue to drip very, very slowly probably for a, for a day if, only, you, if you had to wear with all the only problem with walking away from one is make mm-hmm. sure your drain plug pan is big enough right to hold to it hold comes the out <laughs> it comes out if you're getting close to the top you might want to put another pan under sure. there or something but yeah the longer you can let that drip the more of the real bad stuff we'll that you want to get out will get out right so you know, don't be shy about letting it sit there and drip uh the longer the better now of course once you get that done uh next thing is to remove the filter and a lot of filters have different methods of removing them right some of your canister filters which is kind of what everybody's used to seeing a little can it just screws onto the block mm-hmm. those come off you just set them in the top of the pan where they'll drain uh, set them upside down where all the oil will drain out of them right and leave them there as long as you can right you might even punch a hole in the top just, to, just aid, to let aid them to drain right now a lot of cars a lot of newer cars are using a cartridge type filter where they have a housing of some sort that has to be removed in the cartridge filter as a cap is right. in there right toyota is going to that on most of their vehicles some of them still have the small uh screw, can, on. screw on filter but most of them have gone to the a canister filter and it requires a special procedure when you open the toyota box that has the filter in it mm-hmm. there are two o-rings and a funnel or a little drain little drain funnel you take the little cap out of the center of the big cap and when you push this funnel in there it drains the canister down so the oil can you know so all the, the canister will be empty right. when you take the big cap off right now in the shop we've got where all we've got the vehicles up on lift six foot in the air drain pans right underneath it mm-hmm. we don't use that feature on right on them but when you take the cap off there's a big o-ring that goes around it that should be changed along with the filter every time you take the filter out right now 
if you don't, if you have a screw on type filter, you can't drain it readily. I mean, if you, I guess if you got a drain plug, you can poke a hole in the bottle, let the oil run out before you take it off. Because when you unscrew that thing, the oil's gonna start flowing over the sides. Yep. And that hot oil running down your arm is not a real good no, it's not. sensation. <laughs> Plus, it makes a heck of a mess. I know we used to take an old soda bottle, like a two-liter soda, mm-hmm. plastic soda bottle, and just cut the top off of it so that it forms like a cup. Then, it, because it's real soft and pliable, you could put that over that filter, squeeze in on it, and use that to unscrew the filter. And, of course, all that flows over just goes into the thing. Then, when you get through, you can throw the whole deal away. Right. But that was a way to kind of contain it back when that was the, the way things went. Now, some of those filters are readily accessible underneath there, mm-hmm. and some of them are not. Some of the vehicle manufacturers put those filters in some crazy places. They do. I've seen them above exhaust manifolds. I've seen them below exhaust manifolds. The one that comes to mind is the 3.6-liter GM uh, V6 that's in the Acadia mm-hmm. model vehicles. The oil filter is up on top. You have to access it from the top of the vehicle, not the bottom. And there's a motor mount that sits right underneath it. Mm-hmm. And when you take the filter off, the motor mount gets covered in oil. Well, and it's a rubber so it's, mount. You're right. And all petroleum and rubber don't mix. It's not going to tear it up and ruin it one time. But if you continue to put oil on that mount, it's going to soften the rubber up, yep. break it down, and you end up buying motor mounts. So. It's just it's real poor placement, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. you know, that's the kind of things you have to look out for. That's right. That's right. So once you get that filter off, now getting the filter off, a lot of them, there's a number of special tools you can have that'll age in that. Uh-huh. You have the old ever popular band type wrench, which is wrapped around as you pull it, the band tightens up. Those are less and less useful these days because you don't have access to turn it in, in many cases. Now more and more, there's a cup type, like a big socket mm-hmm. that will go on and engage those little flutes on the bottom. And unfortunately, like most things car companies do, everybody who invents an oil filter invents a different size sure. socket. So there's a set of maybe 20 or of more of these different things. Different size sockets. So you don't have to buy an entire set, but you do need one to fit your type of car Yep. in, in case. And those are really handy where that filter's on tighter than it should have been. And you can't just unscrew it by hand. And that comes from kind of an inexperience. You know, they you would think that the tighter that oil filter is, the less it's going to leak. The less yeah. chance you got to have of it leaking. No, but like everything but, else, there's the right yeah, amount. Exactly. And to put that oil filter on correctly, we'll talk about that after the next break. Yeah, we're going to go ahead and take our first quick little break. Be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Mimi, your hair is so cute. Who cuts it? Oh, thanks. I got a guy for you. Here's his card. It just says Fallon. Oh, no. It's Fallon. Well, uh, Fallon doesn't have a number on his card. I know. Appointments with Fallon are referral only. But I must cut a lock of your hair. Deliver it to Fallon. He will put it under his pillow for a week, and your style and cut will come to him in a vision. Seems like old Fallon has quite a gig going. Today, everybody's got a guy. If you're looking for an automotive guy, think Agco Automotive. No complications, just quality maintenance and repairs you can trust. And with ACO's general inspection, they complete an annual checkup to diagnose problems and schedule maintenance so you can budget for the year and keep your car in tip-top shape. So, how much does Fallon charge for a cut? That will come to him in a vision, too. Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at ACO Automotive. ACO, it's the place to go. Welcome back, and thanks for joining us. you spending your Saturday morning with us. We appreciate it. This is Lewis, and got Mr. Brian sitting right here by the side. There you go. <laughs> there you go. 
Automotive Hour, just in case you didn't know that. <laughs> Any questions, comments you may have, just give us a call. It's 291-6901. We were talking about changing all and some of the different steps and what right. have you. Have the proper tool to get that filter off in case it's stuck, particularly if you didn't change it last time. Someone uh, may have tight, over-tightened over-tightened. it. And that is, that is the most common cause for a filter that won't come off is because it was put on too tight to begin with. Mm-hmm. And the main reason they get stuck like that is the little seal that goes around the top of the canister filter. Mm-hmm. When you put it on, you have to take fresh, clean oil and lubricate that seal right. before you put it on. Because I have seen those time and time again not put on lubricated dry. and were put on dry. And when you take the filter off, if you're not careful, it'll stay stuck to the block. Right. Then if you put another one on top of it, it may seal temporarily, but now it's double gaskets in there and it's going to blow through and you can pump all all out of the engine and have a huge mess and maybe even an engine fatality the original seal is cut down the the filter cut down to actually hold that seal in place Mm -hmm. if you double seal it the top seal is just sitting there squished between the seal and the block so when the pressure builds there's nothing to hold it in and it will blow out and it doesn't take long like you said to pump all the oil out of that engine that's right now right along the same lines while you've got your filter on just before you put it back off you might want to take either a lint-free cloth or a towel of some sort and wipe that area clean uh, the whole, the base, the of, base that filter. Of, the, of the engine because it's just you know a little sludge and crud in there wipe all that out as clean as you can get it and then take like brian said your fingertip or whatever put a little drop of clean oil and put a little film of oil where that gasket will attach and basically just run it up until it contacts and then what a half to a half, third of a turn half to yeah half to a third yeah just a little snugger than that and that's all you need. Because some is good doesn't mean more is better. Right. If you tighten it too much, not only will it be the devil to get off next time, but you can't actually squeeze the rubber out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you put enough strain on that rubber, and you could in- end up making it break or cut or, or whatever. So you want it clean. You don't want any debris on it that may cut into the rubber. Uh, but you do want to have a light film of lubricant on it. And you want to do the same thing with that canister filter, that O-ring I was talking about mm-hmm. earlier. Make sure it's lubricated because when it goes up into the the part of the block where it seals it needs to be able to move Mm -hmm. if not it'll bind and catch and it'll roll out of the the groove sometimes and then you've got a a major oil leak when you crank the vehicle up well that's right and you know you go next i guess to put the drain plug back in same thing you want to wipe it all clean make sure the gasket on the plug is still in good condition that's right some of those plugs are sealed with a gasket made into the plug itself right some have a washer of some sort in it uh Honda uses an aluminum crush washer a crush washer right and that is a one-time deal it is when have- you drain the oil on a honda product or anything with a removable washer that washer needs to be replaced. Toyota uses the same thing, except they use a fiber washer. Right, right. Uh, that is not designed to be used over and again. I know when we get the filters from the local dealership, when mm-hmm. we buy the filters, they include the rings with them. Yeah, they just do that as a, as a service. Courtesy for it. Just so you won't screw the thing up. Right. But a lot of times we have to go and purchase those separately, and they're about 50 cents, 60 cents a piece. Yeah. So, you know, when you start buying hundreds of them, it but, adds up to a little bit. But, but it's a one-time use seal. Well, what happens is that you put it on the first time, you tighten it down, it seals fine, like it's supposed to. Well, the next time you put it on, you're going to have to crush it more, which means you have to tighten the plug more than it's supposed to be done. Uh Each time you do that, you've exceeded the torque spec on that drain plug really quickly, and now you start tearing the threads out of the oil pan. We have seen that happen a lot. 
Oh, yeah, and that's an aluminum oil pan generally on, on a Honda product. Most of the Hondas. Yeah. In fact, on, on most cars nowadays, they use aluminum oil pans to transfer the heat of the oil mm-hmm. out to the atmosphere. And there is a specification for that drain plug. There is. And you can look at the – when you take the drain plug out, you can look at that crush washer. Mm-hmm. It should come off of that drain plug fairly easily. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't, if it's crushed into the, the – Then it's the, been over-tightened. It's been over-tightened. Yeah. So you're going to have to take in and work that seal off. I usually get a small screwdriver under it and then grab it with a pair of cutting dikes and cut it. Cut it and then, and then roll it off of mm-hmm. there, put the new one on. New seal each time. Each time. Now, if you have one of the plugs, the integral seals on them, I know Jim, Jim, Jim has a molded. Ford uh, likes those. Ford has those a lot. Those can't be readily replaced, but they do wear out. They do. Now, when those wear out, you can look at them. You can see they're packed down. They're flat. And they're kind of squeezing out. Again, you can't just keep tightening the plug more to keep right. it from You'll end up pulling the threads out of the pan. You just have to replace the plug. And those are relatively inexpensive. GM, about 5 bucks, and Ford, probably about 10 bucks. Uh-huh. I don't know why they charge more for theirs, but they just do. But that's the cheapest 10 bucks you're ever going to spend. Oh, yeah, definitely. Compared to ripping the threads out of that oil pan. Well, at, at very least, it's going to take several hours to repair the pan, the pan itself or replace. In some cases, it's going to take several more hours to get the pan replaced. Right. Uh, some of those come right off. Some of them you have to take a lot of things off. Some of them you even have to pull the engine up. Yes. Off the mounts to yeah, get because sometimes off. they're sitting right down top of a cross member sure. of some sort. So not only that, you're going to have a big leak in the interim. Uh, worst case scenario, the pan plug. Your plug pops out, and you drain all y'all out, and again, maybe lose an engine. Sure. So you got to be careful with that. It's a matter of doing it right the first time to avoid having problems down the road. Now, I can tell you, and I'm not talking bad about anybody, the way they run their businesses and all, but a lot of shops use minimum wage or mm-hmm. low-skilled personnel on the lube rack. Even a lot of dealerships, you would think, well, I'm going, I'm going to get a fact-trained expert. Well, you may if you're getting warranty work done or whatever, but they're generally not using their ATEX to change oil. So that being what it is, a lot of times these guys are not properly trained. They run those plugs down. So that, if nothing else, is a good reason to change your own oil. Sure. Sure. That That drain plug has a torque spec. When you when you put it back in, find a torque spec and torque that drain plug to that spec. It's not going anywhere, and it's not going to pull the threads out the pan. Right, and a good idea if because those torque specs can be hard to come by. They are books for sale that they list are. them on our website. We've got a lot, not all, but a lot of cars listed, uh-huh. so you can go in there and look it up. Once you get the torque spec, take a marker pen of some sort, a metal marker, and write it on the bottom of the oil pan. Sure. That'll save, because when you change the oil again in three to six months... You're not going to remember. You're not going to remember. Most people won't. For sure. So if you write that on there, you're more likely to do it properly. And it really makes it convenient, say, if you have to take your car somewhere to have the, the oil changed in it. The, the torque spec for the drain plug is right there on the pan. Mm-hmm. There's no reason not to torque it. And there's a handful of cars that actually kind of mold the torque spec into, into the, the pan. pan. Yeah, I've, I've seen those before, and I don't remember which models they were. Yeah, I always thought that was a real enlightened way of doing things. You want it done right, make it easy to do it right. Exactly. And it's more likely. If people have to go to an extra effort to do stuff, they're less likely to do it. I mean, some people are just that kind of people. They're going to do it right. Oh, yeah. No matter what it takes. Some people, you could write it on there and give them a torque, and they're still going to do it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They'd really climb a tree and do it wrong to uh-huh. stay on the ground and do it right, you know. But most people are somewhere in between, and that's why if it's easy for them, they'll do it right. right. They're more likely to do it the right way. So, again, drain plug, new seal on it, or a good seal on it. Another thing is when you go take that plug out, if it comes out difficult, because as soon when you break 
the seal on there. Just just turn it a quarter turn or so with a wrench. You should be able to take your fingers and run it out the rest of the way. Yep. If it comes out hard where you're having to put a wrench on it to get it out, that plug is now damaged. It's been over-tightened. The threads have gotten stretched. Do not force it back in there. No, get you a new plug, and once the oil's drained out and everything's done, try to put it back in by hand. Right. You should be able to screw it all the way back up to the seal by hand. If it doesn't, then the threads in the pan are starting to pull, and right. they need to be repaired right now before you right. fill it back up. Many times you catch it at that point, run a tap in mm-hmm. there, and, and that will solve the problem for you. If you let it go on, it's going to destroy the threads in that pan. Sure. And I know there are some oversized plugs, but those are a patch. Normally, what they're doing is just gouging a bigger thread into right. it. They're not a right. permanent fix. And there's other little devices out there. I don't trust them. Anything that yeah, sticks I don't, down, I don't like them. gets hit, gets knocked off. All right. Most of those drain plugs are packed up within the suspension, you know, within the back of the engine somewhere. Just to protect them. To protect them. Yeah, you run over something and it hits that plug. And I've seen little devices that stick down, got like a little drain right, plug right. on. I that that I, may sound good, but if you bump that and knock it off, break it off, now, number one, you can lose all oil in the engine immediately. Sure. Number two, you got broken off threads in your pan. Well, at that point, the engine's already toast. Yeah. Because you dumped all the oil out of it and burned it up. Yeah. So threads in the pan are the, the least yeah. of your worries. I mean, even if you point. catch it right away, you notice right. the oil pressure drop and you shut it off right away. You're still going to have yeah, to you deal with it. Yeah, you're going to have a bigger problem there. Hey, we're going to talk about this and a lot more. As soon as we get back, we're going to take our second little break. Be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Linda, I've been so tense lately. Can you recommend a masseuse? Oh, have I got a massage guy. Johan Thundercloud. He's Swedish Native American who uses classic deep tissue massage with natural healing methods. That sounds interesting. His deep tissue green pine cone massage is amazing. Along with the piercing eagle claw technique. Working your muscles with a rhythmic screech. When you hear that, you know it's working. I bet. It seems everybody's got a guy these days. And if you're looking for an automotive guy, check out the team at Agco Automotive. We keep it simple with high-quality maintenance and repairs you can trust. And don't forget about Agco's general inspection, an annual checkup to diagnose problems and schedule maintenance so your car will perform for the long term. One thing, though. Do you bleed easily? What? Johan will want to know. Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your checkup. General inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Loud noise off the river to ride. Don't mind it cause the man with the whiskers has a lot behind Hey, welcome back. Just join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alzan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Twin Tools, try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Just give us a call. It's 291 6901. Talk a little bit about oil changes right. and fluid changes such as that today, but you can call any topic you might have on your mind. Don't worry yeah. about it being on topic that's what we're here for <laughs> talking about you know getting ready to put all the stuff back in got a drain plug back in got the filter back on uh-huh. next thing is to put the amount of oil back into the car and of course you got to put the right amount of oil in and you also have to put the right type of oil back correct in. now there's going to be a viscosity rating which is important you know be it zero w20 10W, whatever uh-huh. uh, rating and stuff is. Once you get the right oil, you get that back in there in the right quantity. Generally, in your owner's manual, it'll tell you how much oil to put in. I generally like to put maybe slightly less, maybe a quarter of a quarter or so less than what it calls for on the lift, you know, while it's up in the air uh-huh. on the things. That will get enough oil in there to start the car, check for leaks and all that sort of thing. Now, inevitably, you're going to have to set the car on the ground to do the final check. Correct. Because when it's sitting on the ground, you'll get a different reading than you get up in the air. 
Let's go to our phone line with John. Good morning, John. Hello. Hey. Can you hear me all right? Yes, sir. Yes, go sir. ahead. Okay, sorry. I, I could change phones if there's a problem. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's John in Toronto calling. Hey, John. Um, a few weeks ago, I told you that I had a situation where I had my uh, brake fluid changed. In the yeah, I remember that. It was an open container, and mm-hmm. I was concerned about that. And uh, can you hear me all right? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, sorry. You'd said that that's not a good idea, that it shouldn't be. No, he's using a bulk container rather than a, than a, a separate can for each, uh, right. each uh, change. And so um, I actually bought from eBay a, it looks like, a, it looks like an old fountain pen. You're old enough, Louis, you know what a fountain pen Yep. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's, uh, it has the readings on it. It goes zero and then less than one, two, three, and four. And it has the indicator lights, and I, I put it in, and it came up between than one and two. Mm-hmm. And they said that that's okay, and I wanted to know what you thought about that. You know, John, those are kind of notorious for being inaccurate. There's, there's really not a, a good, solid test that I know of. And we've got refractometers made by Leica, and even those, I find, don't. It's just such a, you know, procedure to try to get an accurate reading without a lab-type environment. Might be fine. I mean... It's one of those deals you paid for the job to be done right, and if you use an open container that was exposed to the atmosphere, it probably wasn't done right. You know, is it going to destroy the braking system? Probably not. But what I would do is probably change it again faster than I would have otherwise. For instance, if you normally would go three years between changes, I'd probably look at changing this one out maybe at a year and a half, two years, and go ahead and make sure they do use a, even if you have to bring the fluid with you, right. give them an unopened container that's still sealed. Because as soon as you break that seal, moisture is going to start to get into the fluid. That's what it does. You know, it's hydro hydroscopic it's going to absorb moisture out of the air and if it sits even with the top back on there's still a layer of air inside that bottle and it's going to go into the brake fluid so you're getting a partially contaminated fluid from the start that would be my concern and i don't know in canada how humid it is but in south louisiana it's nothing to see 90 percent humidity and yeah, I know. that's a lot of water. We're here right now, I know. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot, a lot of water in the air. So Yeah, I understand. That's yeah. why I would prefer, and like I said, I don't think you have to necessarily go have it all done again, but I would certainly change it again faster than I would have otherwise if it had been done properly. Well, that's properly. good advice. Yeah, I do it every three years, but that's not that mm-hmm. expensive to to get it to make sure. I don't want, uh, my biggest concern was that it would potentially damage the the uh, internals on the system with, with water in there. Yeah, I mean, unless it sat open for a long period of time or sat without a cap on it, that would be a concern. But if it was just a bottle and he used it on the last car, last two cars, and it's been open for a couple of weeks. I mean, it's not the best thing in the world for sure, but I don't think it's so critical that you would have to go drain it back out again. I would just change it again more frequently this time. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I, from what he said, it sounds like it's a bigger container and and they they do a lot of brake changes yeah. so that it doesn't hasn't been sitting a long time yeah. with the cap okay. off or anything. Yeah, odds are it would be okay. I mean, I think next yeah. time I probably and I know you kind of irritate the guy. You don't want to be that guy that <laughs> always wants you to bring his that. own stuff, but I mean <laughs> You know, I do that a lot. I take my own oil, and he says the Honda oil. He says, "I don't know how good that stuff is." You know, kind of. <laughs> well, it, it'll it'll definitely meet the standards. <laughs> yeah, well, like I think maybe Honda. I trust uh, 
that they might uh, not want to put uh, second-rate oil in there. Right, the right. Well, no, no, at least you're getting the right viscosity and the right yeah, specification yeah. all. And I do the same thing with all the other fluids as well, and mm-hmm. antifreeze and, and what have you, just to make sure that I get the, keep it with the Honda. Yeah, not a bad idea at all. Yeah. Well, nice talking to you, Hi, John. and uh, have a good summer. Thank you. Thank Bye-bye. You. Bye. All right, we're going right back to our phone lines with Todd. Good morning, Todd. Good morning. How you guys? Doing great, sir. Good morning. Appreciate all the help y'all always give us. I enjoy listening to y'all. Well, you bet. Uh, Thank you. I've got a I've got a 2000 Dodge Ram 1500 pickup truck. Okay. Got air conditioner. It it works. It cools, but you can be going down the road and you'll hear something kind of flap like a a vacuum door closing or something, mm-hmm. and it starts blowing warm air. Okay. I kind of heard that the fix that is taking the whole dashboard out. Not necessarily. Have you noticed that it does it when you're accelerating, or, uh, or does it just do it at random? No, nah, it. It. Um, I haven't noticed it really. Well, you know, kind of pay attention, and if you notice you're accelerating when it occurs, that means yeah. you're getting inac- inadequate vacuum to those doors now that can be as simple as one of the lines on the outside pinched or maybe the charcoal excuse me the, the vacuum canister with a little crack in it or something like that so it's getting some vacuum and it can pull the dash pot over and work but when you accelerate the engine vacuum drops so if there's a restriction right. in there or a leak then it's going to it's going to go to default go, go to default which is it's going to push it to a different position where you're not going to feel the cold air coming out any longer and as long as it is a vacuum system, that you know, they went to electrical systems all later on, and those you generally have to pull the dash or a good piece of the dash. Most of the vacuum systems, you can get to those little dash pots, even if it is that that's the problem. But more likely if it works sometimes and not other times, it's going to be something on the outside on the vacuum source is a problem. Okay. All right. Because it, it doesn't just, man, just – yeah, it's not the dash pot goes bad and gets good again. Yeah, right. I mean, it just um – or the same uh, thing with you know, a door. You know, it's not like a door is going to break and then fix itself and then break again. You know, it's uh, right. This thing you can turn the turn the AC off for you know fifteen twenty seconds, mm-hmm. turn it back on, and it's cooling again. Right, and most likely what's happening is that it's just building up vacuum in that period of time, and then so it starts to work again. Now, some of those do have electrical controls that open and control your know, valves to control the, the vacuum source. If that's the case, I just have to look at them service data. I can't remember a 90 model that well, but you could have one of those valves is going bad. But again, that's generally addressed by just pulling it out of the dash from the front. You don't have to remove the dash or anything. Okay. All right. Well, I might try to do some do some looking myself. Yeah, a little. I was just kind of kind of wondering at a twenty one year old vehicle. Yeah, just, I would know. check first and find the source where where it's picking up vacuum from the engine. Make sure that port's not maybe plugged up with carbon because that happens. Make sure the rubber where it connects the hose to the thing is not getting soft and sucking in. No cracks, no leaks, those kind of things. And generally, get a good source of vacuum to it. You could probably solve your problem. Okay, I'll I'll look at that and see what I come up with. I was just just kind of wondering if it's kind of like kind of like me at my age. It's a few <laughs> things you just live with. You know? Yeah, uh, well, I'd probably go ahead and look at it. it may be a fairly easy fix. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see if I can fix it kind of easy. If not, it may be just one of those things that hey. I'll yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You you can put up with it. <laughs> all, right. Uh, all right. Well, I appreciate appreciate all the advice I'll give. Thanks. Good. Thank you, sir. All right. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. 
All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, see if we can catch one more call for the break. We got Ron online. Good morning, Ron. Hey, good morning. Yes, sir. Hey, this is uh, this is Ron Evans. I called probably about five or six weeks ago, and um, I had a problem. Not not really a problem. I had a, a situation where I had uh, 25,000 miles on a uh, 2010 GMC Terrain, mm-hmm. and you recommended a double drain and fill. Yeah. And I did that. Now, I guess I want to know in the future, a couple of years down the road, do I do the same thing or uh, what? Yeah, I would probably look at every five years because of the limited amount of miles you're putting on the vehicle. You know, it does have a time constraint. You know, some things on cars, time and miles will both affect, and that's one of them. Other things, only time affects. Other things, only miles affect. You know, so, I, so five five years is down. Uh, I'm, I'm okay for the next five years. Yeah, you should be good for about five years with it. I mean, unless you start using the car a lot more and happen to put more miles than that on in that period of time, but yeah. that's that's unlikely. Let me give you another quick question sure. if you got time. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, hoses and heater hoses that are that are 11 years old now uh, with only 25,000 miles. What's the deal with those? I would just inspect them and yeah. keep inspecting them because some of those hoses they use today with the EPDM rubber are very, very good. They could last 20, 25 years in, in some cases. You know, if they get soft, squishy, or they get hard where you squeeze them and you feel they're, they're brittle, or you squeeze them and you feel a crunching type of thing, then I'd look at replacing them. But I'll tell you, Ron, the hoses that came on your car are better than the replacements you can get. Even if you go back to the dealer and buy them, they're not going to be as good as the ones that came on the car. You're, you're not you're not getting an OEM hose. You're getting an OES hose, which is original equipment service when you buy another one, even if you buy from the dealer. So I generally leave hoses alone unless they show a problem, and I inspect them pretty regular. I know we do a general inspection. That's one of the things we always check is the condition of all the hoses and stuff. Now, the belt is a little bit different matter because it's physically being strained and pulled on. I would replace the belt at seven years regardless of the mileage. Well, see, I haven't changed a serpentine belt on there either. Yeah, I would change right. the belt just because it is being stressed a lot more than those hoses are and if it breaks you're gonna lose everything because one belt drives pretty much everything oh on yeah so i would now, i would definitely change serpentine belt now back to the hoses any of the hoses that have a plastic connection in them a uh, plastic quick connect anywhere or a plastic y or a plastic valve that needs to be looked at because yeah, very that, careful. that plastic will get brittle and you touch it, and it'll start leaking. Yeah, usually we, we change the connectors more than we do the hoses, the hoses on, on modern vehicles. The hoses hold up really yeah. well, but those plastic connectors do go bad over time. They do. So just, again, a good, good thorough inspection by somebody who knows what they're doing. Yeah, well, I appreciate your help. All right. All right. Thanks, Colin, right. man. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. All right, got to take our last little break. Be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Hey, Mike, I'm thinking about boiling some shrimp. You know where I can get a good price? Oh, yeah. I got a shrimp guy, but there's a catch. His name is Remy Labateau, and you have to go down to Lafouche Parish and meet him after midnight. Okay. He'll be behind the dumpster of an abandoned fireworks stand off Louisiana 1, and you have to buy exactly 50.3 pounds. Well, that's oddly specific. It seems everybody's got a guy these days. And if you're looking for an automotive guy, look no further than the team at Agco Automotive. No hassles, just straight up quality maintenance and repairs. And with Agco's general inspection, they can perform an annual checkup to find any problems and schedule maintenance to keep your car running right, saving you money in the long run. So what kind of seasoning do you use? Oh, I got a seasoning guy, too. How do you feel about traveling to Bangkok? Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. 
Hey, welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our general manager, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. Hey, between tools, we'll try to answer any automotive question you may have. Just give us a call. It's 291-6901. Still got a few minutes left. That we do. We're talking about all changes, doing them yourself. Right. And the reasons why you might want to do it yourself, if you're so inclined. But... You know, we were talking about putting the oil in. Be sure you put the right oil, obviously the right viscosity, but also the right specifications. Most cars today, most modern cars, are going to require synthetic oil. They are. That's no longer an option. It used to be, well, I want something a little better. I'm going to get synthetic and put it in there. A lot of the cars today, when they got away from timing belts, they went to timing chains, and those timing chains require a synthetic oil to protect them. They do. And the thing about it is that specification should be in your owner's manual. It will in be. In the back. The specification, the amount. I don't know if they have the oil filter specification as far as the part number or anything in the back of those, but I know the, the oil is there and the amount is there. Right. So make sure you use that. Yeah, you want to get the right oil in the car, and you want to use the same oil each and every time. That you do. Don't just go buying oil because on sale or because your brother-in-law said this one's better or whatever. One oil pretty much for the life of the car, and that speaks to the high-mileage oils and all the other junk that's on the market. More of that is just marketing than anything else. When your car gets old, it doesn't require a different oil. The right oil for the life of the car. Sure. And when you start jumping around different brands of oil, they may all be good. They may all meet the specification, but they're not necessarily all compatible one with another. And so you if you change the brand of all you're using, you may end up with an oil consumption problem yep. that you really don't want to have to deal with. Let's go back to the phone lines with Al. Good morning, Al. Good morning. Yes, sir. Your program. Thank, Thank you. you. Look, I've got a 94 Cadillac, mm-hmm. an air conditioner compressor locked up. Okay. And I've heard you all talk about many times where it goes all through the system when that happens. It does. And so I got a dilemma here with a 26 year old car. How much you want to put into it? Right. Louisiana, you don't have anything in the next four or five months. You haven't got air conditioning. That's right. So I got some stuff ordered and I'm going to tack it myself. Okay. And the question I got down to is how much refrigerant oil to put in it? The compressor, I'm getting the compressor and the condenser. And the compressor come with oil. I don't know whether the condenser does or not, but well, how to determine how much oil. What I always do, Al, is I drain the oil out of every single component on the system and then put the right amount back in. Because when you start trying to figure, okay, how much is in this, how much is in that, there's really no accurate way to do it. Uh-huh. So I'm going to drain every single component including the new compressor. I will yes. drain that all out and then flush through the evaporator core. You're replacing the filter dryer, so that takes care of that. You're going to flush yep. through all the hoses, so that's going to take care of that. You're putting a new condenser, so that's going to take care of that. Basically, once you've got all the oil out of it, you add the exact amount specified for the system. Just replace all of the oil. And the reason being, if you... Let's say buy a compressor, and they say, well, you know, they're probably not going to put all in their thing, so we're going to put an extra ounce or two in here just to cover for that. You know, you get all kinds of weird stuff like that, and yeah. there's no way to accurately measure the amount of all in that system. Now, if you get too little, you can burn up the system. If you get too much, it's taking up the room that the refrigerant requires. So if it's got an extra five ounces of all in the system, that's five ounces of refrigerant. When you put the proper charge in there, you're actually overcharged. So, basically, you want every bit of oil out of it, including the compressor, stand it on its end, drain all the oil out, and then put the right amount back in the system when you when you charge the system, put it back together. Well, how do I find what the right amount is for 94 Cadillac? You just have to look it up. Normally, the tag under the hood may give that. You might want to look on there. If not, you could fire off an email to me, and I can look it up for you in service data. 
Okay. It's different in every car. Most of them are somewhere around six, six to eight ounces, but like I said, it varies car to car. Even on the same car, on, the, on two system. different models, it yeah. may be a, a different thing, and you want the exact right amount and exact right amount of refrigerant put back in that car. Okay. Well, that's a big help. I do appreciate it. All right. I can't find it. I'll email you, and I appreciate you not turning my men over my head. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's nothing that you can't do. Al, I mean, the thing with air conditioning, it has to be, you have to have a nice, clean place to work. It has to be almost sterile. And you want to leave all the caps on all, on all the parts until you're ready to put them into the system. Don't open them up and you let air and stuff get into them. Okay. you got to flush through every single component. Now, look at the hoses good on there. And if they've got a little round metal piece on that hose, that's called a muffler. That is designed to quiet the noise of the system down. If you got any of those or anything like that, you're going to have to replace the hose also because that muffler will hold trash. You cannot flush it out. So that's where a lot of people make mistakes. They won't change one of the hoses that's got a muffler in it, and that metal goes right back through it. Basically, if you can get every scrap of this old stuff out, and then put everything back together new at one time and do it all properly, keep it perfectly clean, you got a really good shot at everything working out fine for you. Well, I couldn't find any place where I could get the hoses, uh, only by the foot, but I didn't want to get into that. So. No, no, they still sell those hoses. You may have to go aftermarket with it. You may not be able to get an OEM Delco part, which okay. is not the best thing in the world, but it's better than what you got. Yeah, if, if it doesn't have any kind of a muffler in the hose, you can generally flush through them. But most of them do have some type of a muffler restrictor in that hose. Okay. And if you don't replace that, a lot of people go wrong with that. And then that metal is going to get back into the refrigerant stream. It's going to mix with the oil, and it's going to be go right back through that system. And okay. you just, you just... Well, I look for that. And look, I do appreciate it. All right, sir. All right. Thanks, sir. Thank you. Right. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, there you go. And, you know, we're talking about the, the oil and uh-huh. all that stuff. You got the right oil in there. You want to crank it up, let it run, check for all leaks, make right. sure you have none. Right. Then set it on the ground, check the oil a couple of times, read well, both sides of your stick. What, what I like to do on some models, you have to let all the oil get back to the paint. Right. I've, I've seen them, you turn them off, you go out there and you check it, and it's about a half quart low. Right. You let it sit for an hour, and you come back and check it, and it's right on the mark. Right, yeah, because all oil has to drain down on the top exactly. of the motor. Some drain down fast, some don't. So right. the ones that don't, you're going to have to let them sit to make sure you've got the right amount of oil back down in the pan to check it correctly. And, you know, it doesn't hurt even to go back the next morning after you've done it and just pull a stick and just check exactly. it. Exactly. Just to make sure that it is, you know, completely full. Right. you know, got all the right stuff in there. Now, you know, right along the same lines as changing your own oil, some people might want to do, what else could they do on a car? Okay. Sometimes you can change the oil in your differentials. Right. Sometimes you want to look at that because... Uh, you, some of them are pretty involved. Some of them actually have a drain plug. You open the drain plug, drain the old fluid out, put the plug back in, pull the fill plug, fill it up, and put the plug back in. Right. That's it. Some vehicles have plugs, but they're not accessible, readily accessible. Right. You may have to drop the rear differential practically to get to the fill plug. Uh, and if you drained all oil out and you can't get to the fill plug, right. that's going to be an issue. You're going to have to put it back in. You have to have it towed somewhere or have a special, some kind of special equipment to get in there to put it back in mm-hmm. with. We've actually got a hand pump that we can pump the fluid from the ground underneath the differential we can pump it back into the differential through the drain plugs right you know you're on the ground all you have is a jug of fluid and yeah you got to get above it to get it back in it's kind of a pain so do your homework before you drain it out yeah, just before uh, you take on something like that just look it over good make sure you can access all the plugs and all that you know yeah. what kind of oil's in it you got the right amount of oil same thing with the drain plugs uh if it has a a seal on it seal on it you want to replace that seal or possibly the plug right and other than that 
you should be in good shape. There you go. Hey, you want to go and start getting on out of here? Tell everybody else we appreciate them listening this morning, every morning on our Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. Tell your friends, go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service, whichever that might be. Find a written view and fill it out for us, please. There you go. Sure, appreciate that. Moves up in the ranking so more people can listen and makes our day. That it does. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.